All right, welcome to episode 37 of Uncorrect New York. I'm Tom Rosati. I'm Stephen Witt. And we are very excited to have in the studio today Hawk Newsom, who is the chairman of Black Lives Matter Greater New York. Welcome, Hawk. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Yeah, we are very excited for you to come down from the Bronx to Brooklyn and talk to us about a whole range of things. Let's just get into it. Um, Steve, do you want to... Well, just tell us a, a little bit about yourself first and how you got involved um, in Black Lives Matter. Uh, well, I was born in West Philadelphia. Okay. And um, I was born and raised and on the playground. That's where I spent most of my days. No, that's the Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Fresh Prince. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was born and raised in I was like, know. that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for having me. I love the energy in here. <laughs> yeah. like, I really, really like the energy in here. It's, it's fun. So I was born and raised in the South Bronx. Uh, my parents actually met at a civil rights rally oh, wow. back in the 60s. Um, they were protesting to have a black teacher teaching African-American studies my father was outside leading a protest. My mother was looking out the window, and he was like, hey, girl, what you doing up there? Come on down. <laughs> you know, fast forward a few late years later, I was born on April 4th, which is significant in African-American history because that's the day that uh, Martin, Martin Luther King, King Jr. died. Also, Adam Clayton Powell Jr. died in another year as well, and the day that Maya Angelou was born. Wow. So um, I look at this from a very spiritual very um, godly, Christianly place, and just everything that nurtured me and brought me in, put me on this path is 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 to be a liberator, is to be a freedom fighter. Did you grow up in a Christian household? Yeah, yeah, yeah we were Bible thumpers. Uh -huh. um, early life, church every Sunday, then a little bit more sporadic as we went along, but we always prayed as a family. Uh -huh. We always um, put our faith in God, turned to God in hard times and things like that, and he always kept us safe, kept us secure. So um, that was good. I, I, I got to ask you, and I know it's a little bit off path there, but, mm -hmm. you know, rap and hip-hop really kind of started in the South Bronx. I don't know if you were older then or younger. Did you miss that age? I was a baby. Oh, okay. So and, um, no, no, no. I was, I was, I remember experiencing it. There was this thing called Zulu Nation. Oh, right. Yeah. This was breakdancing. These yeah. were the times, and I'll never forget. They had a rally in the track right across at the track right across from Yankee Stadium, uh -huh. and it was like this. You remember the movie The Warriors? Yes. It was that. Wow. And me and my friends were babies, like six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. and we snuck over there, and we're just amazed by it all. So we grew up breakdancing. I grew up on hip-hop. I was kind of different because one day I'd be playing basketball, listening to Big Daddy Kane one <laughs> night, and the next day I'd be riding a skateboard listening to Guns N' Roses. Ah, okay. So my mother would look at me and say, boy, you're having an identity crisis. <laughs> 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 I just um, always walked to the beat of my own drum. It's funny, yeah, that there was this dichotomy and you had these couple of groups who would like cross over and everyone would be like, oh my God, like they're mixing rap and rock. And yeah. Well, yeah. What, it was... Um, Linkin Park, Jay-Z. Yeah, yeah. Or earlier than that, like... Uh, Run, Run DMC, DMC did Walk This Way. Right, Walk yeah. This Way and then uh, like, there were a couple of like hardcore bands that right had on. rappers and... I met I met, I, no, I went to a Steven Tyler concert. He performed Walk This Way at Lincoln Center. 
And then at the end, I was talking to Bruce Willis, and he was like all celebrity with me. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. My dad loves you. And Liv <laughs> Tyler was like, talk to him. And we started talking. We took a selfie. And I tried to get him to say yippee Kaye, mother on um, But he wouldn't say it on my Instagram. That's funny. <laughs> All right, so just moving along, and then, so you were always involved between the church, your parents were in the civil rights movement, or mm-hmm. they were activists, yeah. and uh, what what took you from there to getting involved with Black Lives Matter? Hmm. Okay, so I went to school, I dropped out of high school, um, went back, went to college, got a GED just because I wanted to play basketball. Where, where did you go to school? I went to uh, Midland, uh-huh. which is out in Texas. Midland, Texas? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Wow. It was like a basketball mill. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's where they send you if you're D1 material. Right. But you don't have grades. And um, oh. I, I wound up, I went to a bunch of schools. I wound up at Concordia College, New York. Okay. Which is a Lutheran school. Um, went to church a couple of times a week. Uh Engaged in some not so Christian behavior, <laughs> but um, as, it was as college, college players are yeah. wanting. <laughs> what, what what was your position? What did you play? I was a power forward. Oh, okay, that makes was, sense. I yeah, can see that. <laughs> I was a, I was a six five power forward. It was just it were guys that were bigger, right? But they weren't rougher. I was a workhorse. <laughs> and I had heart, so that was it. All right. Yeah. Did you play? Did you play at Concordia? Yeah, I played at Concordia. Um, throughout college, I averaged like a double double, like eighteen, ten, seventeen, nine. Wow. I used to. I used to. I played with um. Wow. Our traveling team at Riverside Church. Riverside Church changed my life. Oh right. Like, yeah, that's a famous program, right? Yeah. yeah. I walked into Riverside Church with a do rag. Um, I used to sell weed. Right. Right. I was a little dropout selling weed. Do sure. I thought I was tough. <laughs> and um and 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 I got arrested. My uh-huh. family had an intervention. Yes, black people have interventions. <laughs> and um, and uh, I got my life on track. And and I was traveling with Riverside Church uh-huh. in and out of the country. And it and it came to a time. It was like, okay, what do you want to do with your life? And I looked at my friends. My teammates were Ron Artest, Meta World. Really? Place. Yeah. Uh, Elton Brand. Right. GM of the 76ers and like four or five other McDonald's All-American. Right. But they did the right thing. You know, I just, I didn't. So I went to college, uh, graduated, went and worked for the Bronx District Attorney's Office. Uh Uh-huh. And um, that was my first criminal justice experience. And what I looked at was people were more numbers than cases. Um, Every time you looked at a police brutality uh, allegation, uh, every time you looked at a fold that involved the charge of resisting arrest, yeah. you see a person with a bump on their head, staples, stitches, a black eye. Like That was customary. Like We just whipped someone's behind. Right. Let's throw this resisting arrest in there. Right. So that bothered me. Um, little things like uh, I, DAs would prosecute people for smoking little half of blunts, yes. little joints, yes. and they'd be sniffing coke in the bathroom. Right. You know, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? Yes. Like, like it was so hypocritical. Right. So I went to the um, community affairs department and it was more of the same. I was um, pretty much cops were doing all kinds of things. DAs were prosecuting people. And I was introducing these programs to the community to help the community. Right. But I felt still felt like the harm we were doing. As was outweighing anything, it was outweighing that, anything right. positive that I could try. Yeah. All great people there, right? All great people there, but like I said, they saw people with numbers, right? So from this, from from being inside of the system, you felt pretty like okay, I'm not really doing it. I'm just sort of like you know, arranging deck chairs on the Titanic. That's you know, it. Like, yeah, 
Exactly. I, this is not for me. It was like, okay, if I'm going to sell out, then I'm really going to sell out. And I went to, I mean, push it to the limit, right? I went to um, get a good price for your sellout. Yeah, right, right. Work for the, yeah. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> so the... I went to Wilson Elsa, which was an insurance defense company, uh-huh. biggest in the world. Okay. Um, they handle the FFIC cases, they handle the World Trade Center cases, uh, Prudential, ACE, all of the ACE groups. So this I, is civil litigation. Yes. Right. Yes. And um, so I was in charge, I, w- I was a project manager. And I made sure that lawyers were closing cases under a flat fee. Okay. So here were these big, uh, powerful, mostly white dudes, right? right. Um, and I was just this this black dude from the Bronx with a college degree, bossing all of them around. Be like, and, you build too many hours. <laughs> yeah, like no, no. Yeah. And and that's what it was. But um, I was effective. Yeah. But I was in an office. Ten to twelve hours a day. Right. I was working weekends. I lived in an Excel street. I was an administrator. Yeah. And the operations group loved me because I would expose people who weren't doing their jobs. Right. And save and which would in turn save the law firm money. But I had to leave there when I, I I'm, I'm big on being paid my worth. Right. Uh, I I I don't know how I crunched these numbers, and I don't know if I'd be able to do it again. But it was a toxic tort. Uh-huh. So so you have like. A couple of hundred people exposed like nuclear like class waste. action lawsuit. Yeah. yeah, and um, through my research and my work, I found out that another insurance uh, agency, was, an insurance corporation, was responsible and not ours. I mm. saved our client twenty five million dollars, wow. and I went to my bosses and I was like, you know, I need like a ten thousand dollar raise. I'm not asking for much. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just made you guys yeah. look like rock. They were like, no. So um. I didn't go to work for like three months. <laughs> <laughs> I went to work like twice a week, every other week. <laughs> and they were like, what's wrong with you? I'd be like, oh, my dad's sick. I got a lot on my mind. <laughs> and then they fired me um, halfway through my first year of law school. So uh-huh. I got unemployment all through law school. Oh, that's good. Man. Okay, so so you decided, okay, I'm going to, like, this is going into civil litigation. This yeah. is also not working out, so I'm going to go to law school. and And then... Then how does that turn into I'm going to be a, okay. a full-time activist? So what I realized was with a person with my abilities and a law degree, I'd be able to go far right. in corporate America right, as a litigator, right. a black litigator, because um, they, they, they just – I, it's a numbers game, right? right. You want you want uh, a polished black person, right, to sit at the table of your firm to be window dressing, but he has to be efficient. And I had those qualifications, so I'm sitting in there and I'm sitting in constitutional law, and they're talking about Loving v. Virginia, right? And, and like I told you, I was a Christian. Right. I am a Christian, so I was like, gay marriage, no way, no way, no way. But I was looking at Loving v. Virginia, and at the same time, the debate around um, marriage equality uh-huh. was happening. I'm like, wait, the same arguments that they used in all these civil rights cases against black people, they're using against gay people. And that's when my thinking shifted. Uh-huh. And I was let, let let people marry who they want to marry because this is all the same form of oppression. Interesting. Right? Yeah. And, and then in um, criminal law, that was the high, I got an A plus in um, criminal law. That was the, ca- the class that I loved the most. Like, like I had this respect with my teacher, Professor Klein. He, um, one day, because I, 
I would go out and take breaks and be on my cell phone and do what I do. Right? Yeah. And um, he was like, I don't ever want to see you leave my class again. And I respected <laughs> him in that class so much, I never missed a day. And I, I never took a break from class. But um, those were constitutional law and criminal law is what captured me. Okay. And then Trayvon Martin happened right. while I was in law school. Okay. And I organized two rallies, one for the students, the other for the faculty. The one for the faculty touched my heart the most because you had, like, adjunct professors who were judges. Like right. A little 80-year-old Jewish man coming in there with his hoodie on for Trayvon and he's fist up. And I'm like, wow, this is something, this is powerful. And um, that kind of really changed the trajectory of my life. So this is 2012? Yeah, about that. And you went to Howard? I went to Toro, which was really Jewish, oh, okay. yeah. and Howard, which was really black. Right. I did Howard for a year. <laughs> I liked, I liked, I loved Howard. Yeah. But Toro, like, like, I was a cool black kid at Toro. Uh-huh. I was cool. Like, right. I was that guy. Yeah, there yeah. was a million cool black people <laughs> at Howard. You, at Howard, it's different, yeah. different, different. You'd come out and, you know, students would be getting in Bentleys. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. the creme de la creme. This yeah. is black Harvard. Right, right. Right. Like students driving Lamborghinis. And right. I'm like, wow, where do they make these black people? Who was it? Oh, up in the Bronx. Was <laughs> Lori Combo was saying that about Spellman, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. She was. She went to Spellman and she said the same thing. She goes down there and like people come out of class and they drive away in the BMWs. She's like, what? <laughs> I was there for a month and a half and I never heard slang. Yeah. I'm like, what's going on like <laughs> really somebody talked to me like, where do they make you <laughs> but it was it was it was definitely good to yeah. see to live around black people from different socioeconomic absolutely yeah background. okay so you graduate so all this is happening so 2012 with Trayvon Martin 2014 is Michael Brown yeah. like these huge I mean that's so after I graduate yeah uh while I was in class um councilman Ruiz from the Bronx his son was like, I think you should run for city council. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Because I had already ran for county committee, mm-hmm. which is usually the party picks you, signs you up, and you do it. But I just ran as an independent, uh-huh. and, and I won. Which right. When I won, I realized, like, okay, this isn't really what I thought it would be. <laughs> but um, It's I a won. lot of meetings. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I I, I, I yelled. I ran for city council, very guerrilla, very grassroots. We didn't have any money. My dad died in the beginning of the run, and everything he left me, I put into the campaign. And um, I worked hard, and we knocked on doors. We had the party on the run, and they kicked us off the ballot. And remember, I just— What, like with the signatures? Signatures, Who was the county leader then? Uh, I'm not sure. Was it Hasty? No. Um, maybe. In the Bronx, I think it was. Carl Hasty? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it might have been. I'm trying to think of the other you know, I don't I'm not as familiar with the Bronx, I know Brooklyn. Yeah, but um they had their lawyers and what, this was the most amazing part of it. Remember I'm fresh out of law, law school, right? Um, there was a standard of substantial compliance oh. when filling out these these petitions. So I argued all the information was right on ninety nine point nine percent of the the petitions, except for this one mistake, and substantial compliance is the standard, therefore you should side with me. Oh. And the judge looked at me and was like, son, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I want you to do the right thing, Your Honor. 
He's like, we can't do the right thing all the time. Think about that. A judge. What? We can't right well, you know, right it's thing. interesting because you said you did like, constitutional law and criminal law, but election law, particularly New York City election law, it has its own little specialty. You could, if you don't dot the I right, you can get kicked off the ballot. And Absolutely. and there's attorneys that actually specialize in that, mm-hmm. just to get somebody that goes up against the machine mm-hmm. kicked off the ballot. That's that, that's it, right? Yeah. So um, I found out that the judge sided with someone in a similar situation as mine the year before, and it went up to the appeals court, and they kind of spanked them, like stay in your place, throw right. the party line. So it's it, it oh really? About me. It was oh, about him right. being checked for trying to uphold the law and realizing that the powers to be were stronger than you. Uh-huh. So he do he did the right thing before, and then he got punished, punished for it. And mm-hmm. so when you came around, it was like, nah, no, nah. Uh-uh. You know, it's interesting with uh, when I began Kings County politics, and I have pretty good background covering the legislative and executive branches, and not that much, a little bit of a background covering courts. I was at a weekly. But it was covering like court cases. But what's interesting is how judges get picked, you know, and it's like a whole thing that I've learned and the, the politics behind the court system. OK. And it's just, you know, and particularly in a place like New York City where they have each county has their own uh, party kind of machine or, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, whether you're in Queens or whether you're in Brooklyn or the Bronx. The the judges kind of have a leg up. I mean, the ones that are picked. So it's just interesting. And there's a certain beholding to the interests right. that in, in, in the picking process. Then that becomes clear that these judges have their own. Yeah, and they make masters. rulings on who runs. Right. They also do a lot of probate stuff, you know, wills. Right. And, and they get to appoint court attorneys, and the court attorneys get a certain fee. Right. And, you know, it's like a whole network thing. All right, so foreclosure for canceled. They kicked you off the ballot, mm-hmm. and then you're like, "All right, I'm going to continue my my path, and it doesn't involve Meanwhile, this." Yeah, I'm <laughs> failing the bar like twice, right? Because I'm how you run a campaign, right? And study for the study. bar. No, I don't. no, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So um, I uh, I'm just like trying to figure out life, and trying to figure out life after law school. I'm applying for jobs. Nobody's really ringing me back. I kind of had a 2.6. And, um, <laughs> and and Eric Gardner happened. But after Eric Gardner, Daniel Pantaleo was a was 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 the grand the jury choker. in Brooklyn. Right. Mm-hmm. Was it Brooklyn or Staten Island? I'm sorry, Staten, Staten Island. Island. Yeah. The grand jury in Staten Island said that he did not kill Eric Gardner. Right. So, um, because we, Donovan asked for the higher charge, which is harder to prove, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then turned around and ran for right. you know, the Congress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was well played. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was politics, right? And um, so when that happened, we started marching, right? I'll never forget. It was around the tree lighting time. We started marching and we marched for like 30 days. Okay. Uh, we had the big march, 50,000 people. I participated in that. Um, I'll never forget I had a sign up that said, what side of history will you be on? Right. I didn't realize at the time that my life would be changed forever. I never knew that this was like the turning point in my life. And um, shortly after that, we marched from New York to D.C. Right. With a justice package. We actually marched on a Democratic government. 
and uh, when uh, 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 Elijah Cummins, God bless his soul, yeah. other members of the Black uh, the Black Caucus, they came out and joined us. But it was it was grueling on the way down there. Freddie Gray happened. Could you imagine right. you marching for right. seven days, mm-hmm. twenty six miles? You were in Baltimore, right? In yeah. Baltimore, it was insane. And um, his brother, who I just found, I was in Baltimore this week, uh, fighting against Comcast. And um, I'm marching through Baltimore. We're like, okay, we're going to go to the precinct. People are about to riot. Let's just try and go and show them what organizing is, try and get them to get their word out in a safe way. I see three brothers across the street, and I'm like, yo, come on, man. We we from New York. We marching. We are marching for you. Why are you not here? They start crossing the street. No joke. A white Ford Bronco. <laughs> 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 right, a white Ford Blanc Bronco nudges one of them. He runs to the door, starts opening the door. I sprint from the front of our march, about a hundred people, and I'm like, "Nah, bro, our fighters in here. Our fighters against this system." He closes the door and he starts marching. That was Freddie's brother. Oh wow! Yeah, that was Freddie's brother, the kid Brandon. You saw all over the news, and um, I just found out that he was murdered last year. What? Yeah, I found that out in Baltimore a couple days ago. God bless his soul. Rest in peace, Brandon. So yeah, man, it's it's like America just has its foot on our throats, and it's going to take unity to overcome it. But there has to be some of us who stay on the front lines, who consistently push and apply pressure so that we could break through and hopefully inspire others. Yeah, I mean, you have. And I, I think the state where we are now, and, and we can talk about this in the context of the show that is going on right now on BT that you're a part of, Cop Watch. I mean, you guys have made a lot of progress. Amen. You really have. I mean, it's, you've changed the – I mean – I'm not saying that like we're in this great place right now, mm-hmm. but the place that we are in and the place we're in now, where like almost every single police department has to wear body cameras, like that's because of you guys. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, I mean the whole movement, not like your, yeah. partic- but like it's really like the the progress that has been made is, is substantial, and it and it owes to people coming up, at, you know, and and marching and protesting from from the you know I remember the first time it like. Uh, for me, like like seeing the the the, pr- the street protest was Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. Like that was when it was like late. Yeah, yeah, that was serious. That was when the National Guard was came in. Cause mm-hmm. I, I remember Trayvon Martin was a national discussion, but I don't remember seeing the visuals of people out in the streets. But 2014 was that that really defining moment. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's when people said enough is enough. Yeah, and so much happened in that year because you had Mike Brown, which wasn't on tape. Right. Then you had Eric Gardner which really birthed cop watching. Right. And people should look into the story of Ramsey Order, who we call a hero. The he's guy the filmed who it. Filmed it, yeah. right? So he's been They in arrested jail. him, right? Yeah, they arrested him. They followed him around, um they antagonized him and they, he got tripped up on some charges. So, so real quick, what's the 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 concept of cop watch? Oh, man. You tell our, our listeners. <laughs> cop watch now there are people who cop watch for real, right? Who are who have pictures of cops, who have their data, who listen to radios, and they hold. That's not who I am. Right. I represent a different kind of cop watching. Whereas if one of you two gentlemen were walking outside and you saw the police arresting somebody, giving somebody a ticket, you take out your phone and record. 
That's cop watching. Right. So, so right. the premise right. is that everybody's kind of a citizen cop watcher. That's it. As long as they have a cell phone. Okay, That's so it. just because, let, let's just delineate. So there's the concept of cop watching, and then there's this show, Cop Watch, which is basically oh. about this new practice of cop watching in all different forms. Correct? All different forms. Okay. Yes, indeed. Because cop watching is activism, cop watching is picking up your phone. Right. It's it's all tied in, but there are some by the book cop watchers and there are others like me who see uh cops pulling over people on those electronic bikes and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like you're taking away their livelihoods. If they want their bikes, they have to go to court. Some of these people are illegal. They mm-hmm. have jobs. They are contributing members of society. Those are cold words people like to hear. And you're you're, you're doing what? Why? Because right. somebody got a, a person with political influence was killed on the Upper East Side. Now you care. Now you're out here subjecting people. To Is this. that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I confront them. Right. I don't just cop watch. I confront cops. And um, there's there's videos out there, and um, I, I get intense. Right. I get really intense. Um, I say some really. I've seen some flagrant things that are <laughs> out of bounds, but uh, I'll tell you this: um, if you make me feel racism, right, I'm going to call you on it, right, and take Immediately. it a step further, right. right. If if you make me feel like you're trying to oppress me, I'm going to lash out and do everything that's that's, that's within uh, 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 my abilities legally to fight fight back. So um, let's just go into the show because, I mean, we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's produced by BET. Mm-hmm. It just started on October 22nd. Is that correct? Was the first episode aired uh, yeah. or, or last week or something? October 23rd. 23rd. Was the first episode. Um, and, it, and right now, the, the first episode followed three different people. This guy in Atlanta, what, what was his name? Uh, City. That's my guy. Yeah, City. City. Yeah. yeah. And then a group of what you would call professional cop watchers. And yourself, mm-hmm. um, and what strikes me is interesting. I mean, first of all, it's amazing that this show is on television. It really is. You know, like that. I mean, that speaks volumes. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing is, it's shot in this reality TV style, which is so bizarre. Is that the right word for it? Because it's like they they the, the cadence and the rhythm and the mm-hmm. editing is set up where it's like it's real real housewives and it's like okay well, we're all going to get together and we're going to go get Manny Petties but except for on the show it's like all right we're all going to get together and we're going to shut down the FDR to protest Eric uh, Daniel Pantaleo and it's like you wish that every reality television show would be as significant as this and you wish that it would reality television would have this content yeah but it's a little bit jarring because like they edit it like it's just this another television show yeah which i think i've often sat back and thought like i wish people listened to me like they listen to reality shows right yeah you know yeah i'm out here screaming trying to get people to pay attention to this thing or that thing and i hope they pay attention to us like Real, like they pay attention to reality show stars. So we call it a docu-series, mm-hmm. air quote, but it's definitely a right. twinge of reality show. Yeah. And I think that's what America needs. It, you know, it's actually it actually is in line with the way that activists use social media because mm-hmm. social media is meant for people taking pictures of what they ate at brunch mm-hmm. or like some stupid, you know, some random them, you know, I don't know, skydiving or like whatever, like, yeah. you know, like petty, like, like daily life thing. But then activists have actually used that very effectively um, to actually, get their yeah. message across. So if you can co-opt reality television, then 
great. That's it. And, yeah. you know, fortunately, my activism lets me do some really cool things. Right. Right Right now. So, um, you know, they call me Hollywood. Okay. Said, oh, he's Hollywood. <laughs> so, <laughs> him responds, I've been hashtagging everything Hollywood Hawk. <laughs> so, my wife had a client. My wife's a therapist. She had a client down in Florida. Client's worth billion. She's a therapist. So, what kind of like a, a ther- like a psychotherapist? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, we're down there, and they put us up, and it was so funny. Um, oh God, why am I saying this? So first they put us. <laughs> we can there, edit that like, out a few. They're decide, like, nah, like, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. First they put us up at. They're like, we're not there, so you're not working. So we're gonna put you up at the embassy suites, uh-huh. right? Which is a step down. They they this like a motel six to them, right? right? They right. put us, and I'm yeah. like, wow, this is nice. <laughs> and then they bring us to the Grand Bohemian. Right, and and that's like five star, top of the food chain in Orlando, and I'm in a jacuzzi with my two year old, and I got a uh, 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 36 hour vacation, biggest vacation I've had in in months. Um, since last Monday, I came back from Ohio, I went down to Orlando, and I went to Baltimore, and I'm headed to Chicago next week. Doing what? Um, I do. I am a mercenary. Oh, so you, as as the head of Black Lives Matter, you go to yeah. Um, well, well, the reason why I say I'm a mercenary now is people come to me and they're like, "Hey, we need you to organize. This has affected Black people. Uh, we need a staff. We need a course of action, and we need to fight." And I organize, you know. Huh. Uh, and and the way that you're here now is because we met last week at yeah. the basic income march where you did that extremely effectively. <laughs> I don't know what they would have done without you. Right on. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it was. Oh. It, so mm-hmm. it was. I mean, how do you get involved in the basic income um, movement? I met with like Andrew Yang. Uh, I met with twice. Okay. A year ago. Right. And um, he gave me his book. And I'm like, this Asian dude's running for president. Let's see what the fuck this is. I'm sorry. It's okay. Let's see, yeah, let's yeah. see what this is about. Yeah. Like this yeah. is this is definitely gonna raise some eyebrows. Like, let's see what's up. Yeah. And um he told me about universal basic income. He told me about the um path that black people were on as far as accumulation of wealth right. and the decreasing of 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 our accumulation of wealth, the depletion of it. And he really sold me on it, you mm-hmm. know. So this wasn't like, you know, you come in, hire a staff. This was me with my heart. Ninety percent of the things that I do are from my heart. But I got two kids and a wife, so I gotta make some money. Yeah. So um, I came out. We we talked about it. I, I'm I'm very keen on optics, mm-hmm. right? So we were talking about having two people host who didn't look like the community. Right. 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 And I'm like, you can't do that. Right. Like you have to center the most impacted people. Like, okay, we want to close the show. We want to close it with my sister who's a black woman. Right. Who's running for Congress in this district. If we're going to march What's your sister's name? Shavana Newsom. And she's running for whose seat? New York fifteen. That's Jose Serrano's. Who's who's retiring, seat. right. Yeah, Jose yeah. Jose Serrano's and she has a team of 
these women are insane. They make yeah, me she was feel great. Insignificant she... in the room. <laughs> They're beast, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she gave a great speech. Thank you. Yeah. So um when we came out there, um my mentors are Black Panthers. I've I've marched with the original Black Panthers yeah. recently. Uh they come out for our actions, they guide me. So what was the mission in your mind of the original Black Panthers? There there's been some misconceptions. Uh the the Black Party the Black Panther Party was a party for self defense initially. That's why they came out with the guns to stop the police from brutalizing people. But what it grew into was this social organism, a political organism, and they they t- they taught socialist principles. Mm-hmm. So so now you have these democratic socialists. Oh, Panthers were there. Yeah, Panthers had you know food programs. Yeah, free free lunches and breakfast. Free, right? Free, yeah. right, and the government stole the concept of free breakfast from them. Like the Panthers were so far ahead of their time. And what they tell me is, Hawk, it's what you leave behind right like right now we have a bill called the andrew kierce act right i saw okay. that you have the shirt on uh i had the, sh- at the on the show i had, oh, wait wait <laughs> in pink in hot pink at some point you're wearing all hot pink so say that one more time <laughs> at some point you're wearing all hot pink w- and say and it says pass the andrew curse law act. Yeah. Act. yeah and that's what was important right yeah. so we had the shirt i had the shirt on you know obviously we talked about the Andrew Kears Act, but it didn't make edits. But still, my introduction to America was me wearing a shirt that said "Pass the Andrew Kears Act." And, and what and is it? Yeah. Okay, Tell. so Andrew Kears died in a police car in Schenectady. Um, Very much like Eric Garner, right? Yes. Yeah. But police chased him. Andrew Kears wasn't a saint, uh, gang member. Right. Maybe used some drugs. Did time for a felony. Right. Cool. Right. He did that. That's who he was. Well, that's not the point. I mean, that's really that's what. That's not the whole point. That's it. Is that you treat everyone the same? Right on. Right. And if you're if you're police, you're not going to be dealing with saints. Who do you? It's like oh, he was mentally ill. He had a knife. Yeah, that's who you're going to be dealing with. Hello. You're not going to be dealing with normal people (laughs) running around with knives. Like that's that's just not going to happen. They're going to be in crisis. They're going to be mental health issue. They're going to have a psychotic episode. Mm -hmm. That's your job. That's it. It's like oh, I'm a teacher. Oh yeah, these kids. They're all killed children. They weren't doing anything. They were acting out. Like yeah, no, no, duh. They're children. Your job is to. To control them. Control it. So the Andrew Kears Act, Andrew was placed in the back of a police car. In 17 minutes, he said, I can't breathe, officer help, I feel nauseous. Something of that along those lines, 70 times. 70 times, 17 minutes. And at the end of that, boom, you heard his body collapse in the back of the seat. And we fought hard to get the AG to take the case. The AG, the AG failed to indict him. This is Schneiderman? Uh, This was... Schneiderman, yeah, and um, it it was tough. It was it was really tough for us, um, and we just kept pushing. We took buses up to Schenectady. We had a protest. The cops were like, "Just leave them alone," but they were like parked in parking structures, hiding, just watching us the whole time. We walk up to the precinct in Schenectady, New York, chanting "Justice for Andrew Kears," and I pulled the door to the precinct, and it was open. Fuck it. Let's go for it. <laughs> so we march up in the precinct, right? And we held a rally in the precinct. Oh, News man. cameras came in. They went live. Like, it was insane. His wife was there promoting it. Like, 
it, it was it was really one of those moments. We had about two or three. Um, we had like two or three coalitions from New York activist groups, then five from up there students. It was nice. It was uh-huh. a nice crowd. It wasn't like enormous. It was a couple hundred, but it was powerful. Uh-huh. And um, with that, his wife recently took a, a deal, a settlement from this from Schenectady for one point three million dollars. Oh wow! Right, and this is the highest payout on. For a police-involved police. incident. So we made history through yeah. strategic activism. So now, within two years, within two years, he had a bill introduced in Albany. This is unheard of. Yeah. That's what you say about, you know, about progress. This yeah. is what I, what, I, what I talk about when I say strategic activism. Um, so we're fighting for the Andrew Kears Act. What's the bill do? Oh, it's about time I introduced the bill, mm. right? Yeah. Um, pretty much, if... A person says that they can't breathe or they say that they need medical attention. It's even if they look like they need medical attention, they are to be given medical assistance immediately. And if the officer does not do that and it results in the harm of a person, they'll be facing a felony. Mm-hmm. So this changes the dynamic. Right, because uh, that's not really it too, right? like still is it still being debated? Is it a proposal or did the law? It's pass? proposed. Um I spoke to Jamal Bailey, uh out of the Bronx recently. He's the sponsor. Is he yeah, no, uh what's her name? Uh, Nadia Vasquez. Velasquez. N- Nadia Velasquez. Yeah, yeah, out of the Bronx. She introduced it. Jamal Bailey's like the criminal justice chair. So I talked to him about it. We're pushing. Yeah. We are we are pushing. I think we might be able to get it done. You know, I'm very critical of call hasty uh-huh. and New York politicians. We act like anybody who was elected before Ocasio don't know shit. Right. Right. But let's be real. They've done some really amazing things in Albany uh-huh. these last few years. Yeah. Like call hasty has really done some transformational things in Albany. And I give the brother credit. That's well, you know, good. speaking of, of which, uh, I do want to bring up a couple um, issues that are interesting. One, the, the closure of Rikers, mm-hmm. you know, just close to home. You, you, you have any feelings on that and making community-based jails? And Yeah, I, um, I was happy we got Rikers closed, but now I can comfortably say no new jails. I don't think we could, we could push no new jails as hard before they said, close right before they close agreed to close Rikers because I think it would have failed they would have backed off him you know it would have discredited the work that Glenn Martin Vidal Guzman and a lot of people at, at close Rikers did so now that we're there we have to t- adopt the um, policy of no new jails and we have to ensure that any facility it, that is built if if we fail any can facility that is built is based on social services Give people grass, give them trees, give them windows, give them therapists, give them healing, give them meditation, give them a better diet. In prisons where people have fed better foods, violence decreased by 40%. Hmm. And this was some test studies. And when they introduced a daily supplement, violence went down by another 15%. So a lot of the violence that we commit has a lot to do with our food intake and our diets. You mentioned that in a TED Talk about food deserts and food justice can you mm-hmm. i mean that that's something that's really uh, a key in your yeah ideology right on so what i'm what i've moved on to call it because there's food in the desert 
right? I think it was Keisha Washington. She said, there's food in the desert, uh-huh. right? But um, what we should be calling it is a food apartheid because it's intentional. Right, it's intentional, it's, right. It's intentional that there aren't healthy foods in some places. And, like, you look at the Bronx. The Bronx isn't a food right. desert. Well, you can't even, just, you know, when Bloomberg tried to, like, limit you know, big drinks, mm-hmm. which you th- which seems you know reasonable because you look at these drinks and like they're marketed towards poor people. Like yes. Arizona, like Ar- those ninety nine cents cans, yeah. they've got like fifty grams of sugar in it. Yeah, and so you like thirteen year old kids drink fifty grams of sugar every day. Of course, they're gonna get <laughs> sick. <laughs> Yeah, and so they can't. You push back a little bit and say, "Hey, you know, it should only be sixteen ounces." So you think in, rep- in in retrospect, Bloomberg wasn't a bad mayor? I, I, yeah. I'm just mentioning this issue. Yeah, he, but he, all I'm saying is that what you're people your po- did your think point, it was crazy. I remember when they outlawed smoking. Everybody's like, "What are you talking about? Outlaw smoking?" He made everybody no, go in the street and inten- work. He's well. right. It's intentional because you try to push back on it. And you get this this lobbying effort from the food industry and like bo- like the bodega owners association. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's insane. But. And it's based on the idea. It's based on the idea of having easily sellable food. Mm-hmm. That's why you that, like that you don't want to have like a bodega wants to have stuff that can la- sit on their shelves for, forever, forever, forever. They don't want fresh food. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean realistically, it's not about you hit it on on the nail on the head. I was speaking to people from the Bugs for uh, uh, convention they just had here. That's yeah. Black Urban Growers Association. Uh-huh. Uh, Black Urban Growers, yeah. something with an S, right? And they were telling me, like, why they call it a food apartheid. And what's really unique about the Bronx and other areas is that it's oversaturated with junk. Right. So you can find good food, but right. before you get there, it's about 50 stores with garbage. Right. And um, and that is all over America, too. Yeah. It's like you yeah. go to, you know, I do a lot of work in Pennsylvania, and, like, people there, like, they buy, they go to, like, Walmart, and they buy everything canned. Which has got you know tons of sodium and like everything is just like p- processed food. It's mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah, they're, and they're, the outcomes are terrible. They're farms yeah. in the Bronx on 138 from Grand right. Concourse. I got off the plane from Orlando. I went straight to a farm. They're farms. I was eating tomatoes grown in the Bronx. Like that, that's a big movement now all over the city. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams is on. You know, into yeah. You should talk to him because yeah. he's. He, he he city councilman. Uh, uh, he's Espino. vegan now. Uh, really? Yeah. He he had like pre diabetes or something. Like his doctor was like, "Hey, you got you know, or maybe no, he he's even had jacked yet. now. Yeah, like, you got muscles right. and everything. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. became a vegan, yeah. and now he's like, that's all he wants. He's all he talks about is like he talks about the the uh, the board of education how every school should have better food in the way that you talked about prisons like Absolutely. you know the board of board of education is the largest you know food provider to kids in in the united and new york i do want to if i may move ahead on a couple of things because i'm interested in criminal justice and a couple uh-huh. issues like i i understand i you know i understand uh you know watching cops and they have mm-hmm. to be responsible but there's also like 10 suicides in the last month or two and you know, it's it it's a difficult job mm-hmm. being a cop, and mm-hmm. I'm just wondering: it, is there a line where you can kind of cross, where you could be an activist and and watch them, and on the other hand, also respect the job they're doing? My brother, we are born black. We don't sign up, take a test, take a physical endurance test. You know. And, and apply for this job. We are born black. 
We are subjected to what we are subjected to because we are born black. We are born brown. They choose to be blue. Um, understand that it's a tough job. But how can you be a hero if you allow somebody to choke Eric Garner to death? How could you be a hero if five blocks from here, your colleague is punching a 15-year-old straight-A student in the face several times and you do nothing to stop it. And then you turn around and, 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 and lie on a police report. I have no sympathy for them. I have no sympathy for them. If you ask me why they are possibly killing themselves, uh, the jerk in me will say it's probably guilt from the things they do to people all the time. But the reality of it is, is there's a serious, serious, serious mental health crisis going on around these, this country. And you have these people with this bravado where they have to stay tough. They have to be enforcers all the time. And some of them, you know, are cracking. And you, you add that into everything that they encounter, what they may be encountering in their personal lives. And then, you know, the scrutiny that they're facing. Like, no, I do not feel sorry for cops. On no day of the week do I feel sorry for them in any which way. If they do not like their jobs, they should quit their jobs. You have people like Ed Mullins and Pat Lynch. These <laughs> cops, exactly. These cops rape girls. These cops are, 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 are killing senior citizens. These cops are selling drugs. There's a cop busted for running drugs with El Chapo. Right. Right? Like, when do they step out and say not all cops are heroes and we got a clean house? They never say that. Cops were standing in front of the Eric Garner trial like he didn't choke him. Like, saying cruel and insensitive thing to me. And I'll be perfectly honest, um, the cops are most human to us as protesters when other cops are killed. Huh. That's when they're most human. Interesting. That's, that's that's when they're most human. Like after Dallas, usually they laugh at oh, us. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, we yeah. could be in front of a building standing next to the wife and the daughter or the cousins of somebody who just died, and they're standing across the street cracking jokes. We're saying prayers. They're laughing. They're talking loud. And I'm like, yo, could you shut, the f- shut up? We're trying to pray. And they laugh. They treat us with total disrespect. But when one of them dies, they, they're human All beings. All of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they don't get feel... It as invincible right you know and 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 here's the problem if they keep pushing people are going to get tired and what you have now is people who aren't a part of organizations who are lone wolves that strike out and they'll shoot a cop they'll run up on their cars and they'll shoot them that happened a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's time. That yeah, that's time. In Brooklyn, yeah. it happened yeah. in the Bronx. Then you had the attacks in Dallas, Dallas right. right? But every time things get really crazy with Black Lives Matter, and 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 these visible cases where cops are getting away with killing people, cops get killed. What happens when those lone wolves unite? Right. And are no longer lone wolves, then they become a militia. Right. On army. And then cops who, I use the cops who are not brutalizing people, but a part of that system mm-hmm. are killed. Right. Right. 
and then people start getting picked off and they want to look and say it's the activist fault but it's right. not the activist we're doing our jobs our civic duties it's the politicians it's the police it's these people who have the opportunity to correct right to correct this situation that are not doing anything that's problematic what do you think the way forward is i mean it for you, you said you want to be in the front lines, mm-hmm. and that's your particular job. Is yeah. there something that other, what do other people do? What I, do you... I, I think that there's so many different ways to help. Uh, we're pushing food injustice. You could get involved, come with us, help us feed and educate people on how to eat right. There's universal basic income that will put a thousand dollars in every adult yeah. over the edge of, age of 18's hand. It's interesting because one of the arguments for universal basic income from from the left is that cops who don't want to do the horrible things that they're doing can quit their job. Like they they mentioned Standing Rock, right? Yeah. And a bunch of cops and stand, you know, police officers in Standing Rock quit their job because they're like, I don't want to be, you know, fire hosing protesters in in sub degree, you know, like minus degree weather. This is inhumane. I'm quitting. That's it. And they said, well, imagine if everyone had the, sec- the, the financial security, security to be ethical about their job. I mean, all these cops, like, you know, a lot of them, they, they, they don't get paid very much. Mm-hmm. And so the last thing they want to do is, anti- like, you know, the, you, you've yeah. seen, like, documentaries about cops who try to, like, you know, root out. Serpico. Yeah, like, root, yeah. <laughs> root out corruption in the forest. Mm-hmm. That doesn't end well for them. No. Uh, and, so they need yeah. to be protected by the law, right? And what financially, and, like... If they, they have financial security, they can just be like, all right, I'm out. I'm going back to school. I'll do something else. Yeah. But um, here's another thing that we're pushing, and I got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if a cop falsifies a report, he gets charged with a felony. That way, if you and I are cops and you do something wrong, I won't cover for you. I won't lie on that report because if right. I'm caught, I'll be losing my liberty. I'll be losing my freedom. I'll be losing my pension, my job. You, you, by you being a jack off and doing something like that, you're putting my life in danger. So now, I can't help you. Their goals, your blue wall. I'm a ruthless pragmatist. Right. These, these are simple fixes. It's a huge problem. The blue yeah. wall is the problem. That's right? it. Yeah, that's it. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's really a pleasure, and it feels like the start of start of a conversation. Start of. I mean, you know, we wish you the best with uh, your mercenary so, activities. And con- you have a, a Twitter, a feed, or civil anyway. rights. Civil, civil rights. Mercenary. No, I know. I was yeah. No, no, I'm serious. I'm, yeah. I'm truly a soldier yeah. for liberation, yeah. right? And we need more people with the with these doctorate degrees, with these business degrees, on the front lines, negotiating for right. black people, right? Yeah. Right now, they are casinos coming to New York that won't benefit us. Adelson, who's like one of Trump's biggest oh, donors. God. Yeah, yeah, Sheldon Adelson. Yeah. yeah, Trump's biggest donors is going around buying black leaders, and I'm going to leave all y'all with that. Okay? <laughs> okay? Um, but, at Hawk of New York on Twitter, Hawk.Newsom on Instagram. And your Cop Watch show is on? Oh, Cop Watch America is on every Wednesday night at 11. And you'll be able to see the whole fight behind uh, the, the firing of Daniel Pantaleo week by week. Wow. Everything we did this summer. It, That's great. Really Looking forward to All right. seeing that. 
All right, Cowboy Steve. <laughs> All right, I appreciate it. You can reach me at uh, Stephen underscore Witt, W-I-T-T-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, uh, on Twitter. Also, Kings County Polls uh, for Kings County Politics. And, and I'm at Tom Rosati, and we'll see you next week. And Uncorrect New York is... Oh, at Uncorrect New York. At Uncorrect. Right, <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>